I've spoken with members and committee chairs of the General Assembly and incorporated their ideas like cutting corporate loopholes that force the middle class to pay more. It's somewhat tantamount to throwing an anchor to a drowning man. Um, you know, these companies are struggling, they're losing money, and we're going to say, we're going to go ahead, Illinois is going to go ahead and increase your tax bill. This is not raising taxes, this is just taking away a tax break that they've been receiving unfairly. Welcome to the Daily Lines Clubcast. I'm Joel Ebert. I'll be your host this week. On February 17th, Governor J.B. Pritzker presented his $41.6 billion budget for fiscal year 2022. The governor's budget proposal relies on a host of different financial maneuvers, including repaying some of the money the state borrowed from the Federal Reserve's municipal liquidity facility and maximizing certain federal money to cover agency costs. Unlike his fiscal year 2021 budget, the governor is not relying on the state receiving additional federal funding. Rather, he is hoping to plug the state's estimated $2.6 billion budget deficit with a series of moves, including closing an estimated $932 million in what his administration is calling, quote, corporate loopholes. Pritzker said addressing the loopholes is necessary in order to get a balanced budget that does not rely on a tax increase. This week on the Cloudcast, we'll examine the loopholes in question. Democrats largely hailed the governor's proposal for the call to close loopholes while offering some minor criticisms of the overall proposed budget. Republicans, however, blasted the governor's proposal, saying he's reversing course on previous arrangements he made. They also argue that closing corporate loopholes would equate to a tax increase on businesses that have already struggled during the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. To explore this issue more, I talked to Mark Densler, president and CEO of the Illinois Manufacturers Association, and Naya Kelly, who is part of the Responsible Budget Coalition. Before we get to those interviews, here are a few points worth highlighting from Governor Pritzker's February 17th State of the State address about this issue. We live in a challenging moment in so many ways, not the least of which are the choices that must be made to balance our state budget in the midst of economic hardship for everyday Illinoisans. The general funds budget I present today for fiscal year 2022 spends $1.8 billion less than fiscal year 2021. It reflects $400 million in additional cuts to appropriations, a hiring freeze, flat operational spending, full required pension payments, and the closure of unaffordable corporate loopholes. All in all, it reduces spending to meet projected revenues. This will be one of the most challenging budgets this government has ever had to craft. But I know there are willing partners in the General Assembly. In addition to the Budget Committee, I've spoken with members and committee chairs of the General Assembly and incorporated their ideas like cutting corporate loopholes that force the middle class to pay more. Compromise, hard work, and a willingness to make tough decisions is going to be required of all of us. I enter the process of negotiation with an open mind. I have only one hard and fast rule. We aren't going to treat people who have been decimated by this pandemic as roadkill. Those most in need in our most desperate times deserve our help, and we cannot fail them. 
In addition to his State of the State address, the governor has elaborated more on the issue in recent press briefings. Uh, you know, I've talked about the corporate loopholes that we need to close in order to balance our budget. The corporate loopholes that we're closing, the vast majority of that is all about and affects the largest corporations who we all know did extraordinarily well during this pandemic. Wealthy people and wealthy corporations did very, very well. You know who got hurt? It's everybody who earns roughly $40,000 and under. We need to be able to create new jobs, new businesses, and make sure that those folks have an opportunity to get a job, a new job, or the job back that they already had. Look, a budget proposal is just that, a proposal. Uh, and so there will be negotiating. All I would say to the people who want to put back corporate welfare is what other cuts are you willing to make in order to pump up what's going to large corporations? Here's my interview with Illinois Manufacturers Association's Mark Densler. First off, Mark, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Joel. I appreciate you having me today. As you know, the governor in his latest budget proposal came out with a host of proposed changes. He wants to figure out ways to reduce the budget deficit, at least one of the ideas that they're relying. He wants to figure out ways to reduce the budget deficit. At least one of the ideas that they're relying on calls for cutting corporate tax loopholes. This is something that I know when he came out with the proposal received mixed reviews. Some Democrats and others were praising it saying it's about time we end this, we've got to balance the budget needs on everyone's backs. But on the other side, several people, including your organization, were saying this would equate to a tax increase. For our listeners, tell us why, in your view, it would be just that, a tax increase. Sure. Well, I appreciate the question. I think the use, first, the use of the term corporate loophole is really a misnomer. Um, these are tax incentives that have been passed by members of the General Assembly and signed into law by the governor including Governor Pritzker, who signed two or three of these into law uh, two years ago, and at the time um, did a little bit of a victory lap talking about the tax relief he provided for 317,000 businesses around the state. And so they're not loopholes. These are targeted economic development incentives that have been passed by general assemblies and governors. Um, several of them are targeted at the state's manufacturing sector. And today, um, manufacturers employ about 556,000 men and women on factory floors and contribute about 12% of the gross state product, which is the single largest share of the economy. And so manufacturers have really stepped up during the pandemic, uh, providing PPE, stocking our grocery stores, making sure that our first responders and doctors have the equipment they need. And, and when you do away with these tax incentives, you increase a tax bill, and this is going to increase taxes by almost a billion dollars on Illinois job creators. Let's go down the rabbit hole and say these things go through. What do the manufacturers do in response? Will that lead to making the products they produce increase in price? Will consumers have to foot the bill in some way? What's sort of the end result? Sure, there's a lot of different actions that a manufacturer can take. Um, number one, maybe they don't hire new employees or they don't give raises this year. Maybe they don't buy that new piece of equipment that they really need to be competitive. And at the, at the far end of things, manufacturers look at a host of things when they make decisions about their business. We already pay the second highest property taxes in the country. We have the single highest sales tax rate in the city of Chicago. So when you add a billion dollars in new taxes on manufacturers, 
some of them could choose ultimately um, to relocate out of the state, or maybe they choose not to make their next investment in the state of Illinois. As you're aware, Joel, Illinois has led the nation in out-migration for six or seven years in a row now. Uh, and as businesses leave, so do workers and so do families. And so we really need to stop that downward spiral and create a strong economy that attracts job creators and manufacturers to Illinois instead of turning them away. Now, I wanted to turn to some of the specific proposals that the governor has. One of them totals $56 million and calls for removing a tax exemption for the purchase of certain production-related items. What is that? Sure. This is commonly referred to as the manufacturer's purchase credit. Um, it was originally created back when Governor Edgar was in office and then was temporarily sunset during the Bogoyevich administration, and it came back, but it, it sunsets every five years. So it had been sunset for a number of years. But what this really does is this says that manufacturers aren't going to pay sales tax on consumables that are used in the manufacturing process that don't become a part of the final product. So things like oils and coolants and lubricants that a manufacturer has to purchase in order to make the products, but they don't become part of that final product. Um, and so this would eliminate that sales tax. And um, this is one of the incentives that Governor Pritzker signed into law in 2019 and proudly talked about how he was helping the state's manufacturing sector by reducing their tax burden. And now he's seeking to increase taxes on those same manufacturers. As an organization working on behalf of manufacturers, when you saw the governor two years ago touting this and now proposing this, what does that do? Do you become more leery of working with the governor in the future? Is this, in your mind, a broken promise from somebody that once heralded your industry? Yeah, it's certainly frustrating. There was an agreement that was reached two years ago by uh, Republican leader Jim Durkin, at the time Republican leader Bill Brady, members of the General Assembly, both Democrats and Republicans. And as you remember, there were some big issues that passed at the end of session, and they were all linked together. And so certainly it makes you a little less leery or a little more leery of working with an administration that maybe promises something one day and then reneges on that agreement two years later. Um, you probably remember back during the Bogoyevich administration when then-Governor Bogoyevich um, decommitted from some agreements, and at the time, Speaker Madigan required memorandum of understanding uh, to make sure that both sides signed on to something. So we hope it doesn't come to that, but clearly, I think this is a violation of the agreement that we saw two years ago. To go back to another component that would apply to manufacturers is this decoupling from the federal government's Tax Cut and Jobs Act specifically about depreciation deductions. What is that and why is it important to manufacturers? Sure, so the, the 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act allowed companies, including manufacturers, um, to more quickly depreciate their assets. And I gotta tell you, Joel, that was particularly important in 2020 because a lot of manufacturers were buying brand new equipment so they could produce PPE, they could increase the production of food or cleaners uh, or other equipment necessary for the pandemic, or they bought big sanitizing machines, for example, to make sure that the hotel or the grocery store were properly sanitized. Um, every other state, you have the ability to quickly depreciate that asset. Um, in Illinois, the governor is seeking to reduce the 100% depreciation. So in some ways, this is a timing issue and that companies can probably depreciate over a longer period of time. 
but it does away with that immediate tax impact and certainly would would hurt companies that that bought new machinery to deal with the pandemic last year. What other proposed cuts from the governor would have an impact on manufacturers that you are opposed to? Yeah, so there were there were several more and, and one of them is the governor wants to go back on his agreement to get rid of the corporate franchise tax. Um, Joel, this was something that was created in Illinois in 1872 for the quote-unquote privilege of doing business in Illinois. They imposed the franchise tax, again, for the privilege of doing business in Illinois. We were one of the last two or three states in the whole country to have a franchise tax. So in 2019, the governor signed legislation, and this is where he talked about providing tax relief for 317,000 businesses. He is now seeking to do away with that and reimposing a franchise tax. We were in year, I think, three, I guess it would be, of a five-year phase-out. And so any company, large and small, has to pay uh, the corporate franchise tax. And so that is one that certainly impacts manufacturers along with retail stores and hotels and grocery stores, you name it. Um, there's another that I find extremely interesting is that he wants to accelerate the um, expiration, getting rid of the biodiesel tax credit, which is roughly about $100 million. Illinois is also an agricultural state. Uh, we produce a lot of beans and a lot of corn. We are a key component of the biodiesel sector. And getting rid of that is not only a shot at the manufacturing sector, um, it's a shot at Illinois' agricultural community, the farmers across the state, and the gas stations. But more importantly, the governor's talking about clean energy, and biodiesel burns far more cleanly than does regular fuel. So getting rid of this is not only going to increase the price of biodiesel by about 20 cents a gallon, but it's going to result in higher air emissions. Now, there was also a proposal about capping corporate net operating loss deductions at $100,000. What is that? Sure. Illinois has had a net operating loss uh, provision in statute for decades. And um, what this says is that if you, if you are a company, whether you're that small grocery store, that restaurant, that hotel, an airline that's really struggled, you can, and you have losses in a year, you can use those losses to offset income in future years. And, and certainly in 2020, we saw tremendous losses by employers around the state of Illinois, including some manufacturing companies. So what the governor's proposed to do is said that even if you had a horrible year in 2020 and you lost a bunch of money, you can only use $100,000 in your losses to offset uh, your tax liability. And this is the biggest. This is $314 million dollars. That's going to be borne largely, you know, by companies that have really struggled in uh, 2020 because of COVID. You know, they've lost money, and now we're telling them you don't get to use those losses. And so, you know, I would, it's somewhat tantamount to throwing an anchor to a drowning man. Um, you know, these companies are struggling; they're losing money, and we're going to say we're going to go ahead. Illinois is going to go ahead and increase your tax bill. In totality, what do you think it says about the direction that the governor wants to go with his overall budget? I think everybody acknowledges that state and local governments are struggling financially and that there's got to be cuts in various ways. But do you think it unfairly relies on industries that have already been hard hit by the effects of this pandemic? And what would you like to see rather than this? Do you have any recommendations for the governor or the administration? 
Yeah, the governor's speech last week was clearly a, a partisan political speech. You know, we're getting into campaign season already. Um, it was disappointing that he didn't seek to reach across party lines to talk about working with Republicans and Democrats. And there was no discussion whatsoever about addressing the big cost drivers in state government. You know, dealing with our huge unfunded pension liability, talking about the huge number of local taxing bodies that we have in the state of Illinois um, that all have, you know, property tax rates and other things. So no discussion about employee health care costs that are skyrocketing. You know, so they're asking the business community, the governor's asking the business community to pay a billion dollars in higher taxes after they've gone through, you know, the worst economic and health crisis in generations, but there was no discussion by the governor of, of asking state government to live within its means. There was no discussion about reducing programs, reducing costs. You know, the manufacturers and the job creators of the state have already done it. They've, in some cases, been forced to shut down because of the governor's executive orders. Um, they've seen customers go away, you know, bars and restaurants and hotels and airlines. But there wasn't any kind of balance to say get state government's going to live within its means. We're going to make decisions on how we can reduce our spending. Instead, they looked at the job creators who have already struggled and said, we want to get deeper into your pocket and take more of your hard-earned dollars. And we don't think that's the right approach. If we really want to move forward in the state, um, we need to enact policies that, that help job creators grow uh, jobs, increase capital investment. Um, I talked, Joel, that manufacturing employs 556,000 workers. These men and women earn an average of more than $80,000 a year in wages and benefits. 92% of them get health care provided by their employer. So we need to focus on growing manufacturing jobs and, and these good middle-class jobs. That will really help Illinois uh, escape the problems that we've had and, and create a brighter future tomorrow. It's not easy for big manufacturing operations to leave states, but do you fear that if all these are implemented over a long period of time, that Illinois would become a, a place less friendly for manufacturers and the ones that are here might start looking elsewhere? Absolutely. And, and you just have to look at history. Um, since 2000, um, since the turn of the century, we've lost more than 300,000 manufacturing jobs combined. That would be more than the second largest city in the state of Illinois. Um, we look back to the end of the recession in 2009-2010. Um, the average state around us has added about 70,000 new manufacturing jobs. Illinois during that time added about 25,000 manufacturing jobs. So despite the fact that Indiana and Missouri and Kentucky are significantly smaller than we are, they're adding manufacturing jobs at a far greater rate than we are in the state of Illinois. They deal with the same global challenges, the same national challenges, the difference are state policies. And again, we're seeing all these states around us, Indiana and Ohio and Michigan, they're cutting taxes, they're easing regulations, they're making it more attractive for job creators and Illinois is going in the opposite direction. And Unfortunately, we've seen that spiral and we've seen the loss of manufacturers and other job creators. And then uh, we've seen the loss of families that go along with that. What else should listeners keep in mind as lawmakers begin to look at the budget and figure out ways to make their own changes? Yeah, I, again, I, I think there has to be a balance. Um, 
you know, you, you have to look at what's good for the job creators and the, and the individuals, and, and you can't put it all on one side or the other. And again, at the end of the day, Illinois has everything going for it in terms of our location, being centrally located. We have a global city. We have a great infrastructure. We have a skilled workforce, great colleges and schools, access to water, diverse and low-cost energy. So, Joel, we have everything in place to really be an economic powerhouse in the Midwest and, quite frankly, across the country and, and the world. If we can only get our public policy in shape, Illinois is poised to really just skyrocket and, and go in a phenomenal direction. But the policies have to be done correctly, and we hope that the governor and the General Assembly, both Democrats and Republicans, will actually work together. Um, stop demonizing. Don't call them corporate loopholes. They're not. They're incentives that governors and General Assemblies have passed um, to attract job creators. And, and I guess I would say in closing that um, one other thing, if you look at the Comptroller's tax expenditure report, which is what the governor and others reference, the five largest quote unquote loopholes, as they like to call them, are all on the individual side. So there are things like, you know, 1% sales tax on food and medicine is the quote biggest loophole uh, using the governor's words. And then the property tax deduction or the dependent deduction. Um, those are also tax policies that governors and general assemblies have passed, just like the ones that we've talked about today. So the governor should stop demonizing job creators and using inflammatory language. And let's really sit down and work together to move the state in the proper direction forward. And, and now here's my interview with Naya Kelly from the Responsible Budget Coalition. For listeners who aren't familiar, explain what the Responsible Budget Coalition's goals are and what you are seeking. Yeah, so the Responsible Budget Coalition is a, um, a consortium of about 300 organizations across the state of Illinois. Um, we have three guiding principles around adequate revenue, no cuts to vital services, so human services, and then a fairness in collection of revenue, so progressive revenue. After Governor Pritzker's State of the State Address, you said you support the call to close corporate tax loopholes and decouple Illinois from unwise federal tax provisions. Explain that a little bit more. Yeah, so we support those things. One, you know, unfortunately, um, in the last election, the um, fair tax did not make it across the finish line. Um, and like Illinois is still in a, um, a precarious place when it comes to our budget. Um, in order for us to make sure that we're paying um, for services, making sure that we're talking about K through 12 education, we're talking about higher ed, we're talking about, um, you know, folks who are experiencing homelessness and food who, people who are experiencing food insecurity. We need to make sure that we're adequately funding those things. And, you know, it's we, it has to be said, tough choices have to be made and it shouldn't be on the backs of those um, at the lower 99%. And so closing those corporate um, tax loopholes and decoupling ensures that we are bringing in revenue from, um, from people who are in corporations who can afford to pay it. Critics of cutting corporate tax loopholes argue that it will result in a tax increase for business. What's your response to that? 
Yeah, so it's not a tax increase. So these folks have been getting a tax break. And when I say folks, I should say corporations. Um, these corporations have been getting a tax break for things like paying their sales tax. Like 40 years ago, it would have been hard for a company, a little mom and pop shop to be able to like calculate and get out that like, you know, thing that we talk about that you see in the old movies thing. Um, but um, no, it now it's so automated. So why like, we know corporations like Walmart are like making $8 million off of those corporate tax loopholes right now. This is not raising taxes. This is just taking away a tax break that they've been receiving unfairly. Another issue critics say is that these aren't loopholes per se. They're incentives. Is there a difference to you? So tomato, tomato, um, I think they're, yes, they're incentives if they, if that's what they want to call them, but I don't, I don't see a need for them, and I don't think that um, this incentive um, should be done, again, on the backs of those who, um, when we need um, revenue um, for our budget so that we're paying for the services that we need. Are there any of these so-called loopholes you are willing to say might be a bit excessive, or do you agree with the administration that all of them need to be cut? Yeah, I think the total package is necessary, one. Um, I, you know, one of our critiques was that we need additional forms of revenue. So I appreciate that, that the governor is moving in the right, um, he's moving into the right direction. I think he understands that we are in a precarious place. I mean, no one expected when he gave his, his budget address last year, um, that we would be in the place that we're in now. And we have to make tough choices. And, um, I'm, I'm good with those choices that he's made. Another point that critics bring up is that there are a host of other uh, tax incentives or tax uh, exemptions on the state's books. Uh, so why should these loopholes be cut and not the myriad of other tax breaks that Illinois has? Listen, if they want to put some on the table, some additional ones, um, some of these folks who um, criticize the governor's decision on which ones he made, I am all for them saying, you know, adding more. Um, to the table and let's get us, you know, to a billion dollars. Like, come on, let's keep going. And if they have, if they are lifting up the couch cushions and finding coins, please let us know. While your organization praised the governor for proposing cutting the tax loopholes, at the same time, the Responsible Budget Coalition said Pritzker's budget, quote, doesn't meet the moment. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's like I said before, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, during my quote unquote day job, I am the director of um, state advocacy at the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless. And we know that after, like, even if this pandemic ended tomorrow, we are, it's, the effects of it is, go, are, it's, we're going to feel them for years to come. We know that housing insecurity is one of the major things that people are concerned about. Um, and so making sure that, you know, we don't believe that people are one issue people just because someone is experiencing homelessness doesn't mean that they don't have a child in early ed, doesn't mean that they're not um, receiving food assistance. We need to ensure that we are funding everything adequate, like adequately. And when I say that, you know, the governor said that he um, is providing for flat funding. Um, from FY21 to FY22, the world is a completely different place. And also, you know, 
inflation. So even if you take something from a year ago to today, it's not worth the same. Um, and so we have to come up with progressive um, revenue options. And so that we can, when we're saying that we are, you know, fully funding services, that we're taking into account the minimum wage increase and um, also just, you know, life. Additionally, you said that cuts to vital programs proposed by the governor will hurt working people who are struggling with the pandemic. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think I think so. Because so when you're thinking about um, home health, or if you're thinking about someone who are a nursing facility, have they had to hire new uh, more people? Um, have they had to provide you know additional equipment to their staff? You know, it's it they're not paying for the same things that they did last year. And they're making different decisions this year. And we have to just make sure that we're accounting for that. And I think that's one of the things that, like, we, when we critique the governor's um, budget address is saying, you know, we appreciate all of the work that you're doing. And we absolutely understand you're in a difficult position. But knowing that um, the folks boots on the ground are going to be the ones who feel the effect of the flat um, budget. What else is your organization advocating for as lawmakers begin to take up this proposed budget? Yeah, so we're going to be talking to the General Assembly, um, talking to members and saying, you know, we hope that you all, um, we know it's a difficult choice. We know that you all are being put in a position where, you know, taxpayers just, or, you know, citizens of Illinois just um, rejected the, um, the progressive income tax change to the Constitution. Um, but they are the stewards of the state and um, have a responsibility to push something forward that makes sure that their constituents are not in a position where um, they um, are at the margins or continue to live at the margins. Um, people should have the dignity of being able to say, you know, that they have housing, that they have access to food, that their kids are in safe schools. Um, and that, you know, they get an opportunity to save for their futures and their, that this worry is not sitting on their shoulders um, day to day. That's Naya Kelly with the Responsible Budget Coalition. Thanks for coming on, Naya. Of course, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. That's it for this week's episode of the Cloudcast. This episode was recorded and edited by myself, Joel Ebert. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. See you then.